Welcome to Hedging the Bet with Handwork and Rec, where we dive deep into collegiate sports betting. This topic has become a hot button issue in the new day of NIL, revenue sharing, conference alignment, and gambling. We pick the most highly anticipated college sports games each week, share insights, and analyze statistics before revealing where we stand. Let's get this underway. Hedging the Bet is coming to you next from the Impact Sports Studio. Welcome back to Hedging the Bet with Handwork and Rec. We are in the month of March, which means we are there, ladies and gentlemen. We are ready for March Madness. It is that time of year, and we are back after a three-week hiatus, and we are so glad to be back. And I'm going to hand it over to my man, Brian Rector, to introduce a very special guest that we have today. Folks, listen here. It's March which means we have big fish to fry. And who else to join us but the man right out of Lakeridge, baby? Yeah! Lake Oswego, Oregon, represent Jet Bronchi. Talk to me. How's it going, guys? I'm happy to be here. Hoping I can add some to the discussion here. Talk about these brackets we got coming up, some of these big games. Y'all ready for the excitement? I don't know if they are. Honestly, I don't know if they are. I'm ready. Let's get pumped up. Yeah. yeah. We're getting after it. <laughs> Brocky in the house. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Seriously, folks, this is the first time. Actually, no. No, no, no. This is the second time we've had a third guest. The first was my father, Ken Rector. So we'll see how you match up against that boy. There, tough, but tough to live up to. That was back in October. That was October 29th, I want to say. Yep. And now we're here. And uh, March, what, like I say, what better way to christen the month than get a third guy on here? No place I'd rather be. Hey, I love it. And thank you for being here for real. Handwork, let's get into it. Yeah, so we're going to start with Michigan taking on Illinois. That is our first game. Michigan has won three straight, and they're looking pretty good right now. And um, Hunter Dickinson has looked fantastic. They've gotten uh, great contributions from Kobe Bufkin and uh, Doug McDaniel, and they're looking really good at the right time. And believe it or not, they're like right up there in uh, the double buy care, uh, category for uh, the Big Ten tournaments. And now they travel to Illinois. Uh, Illinois just lost to Ohio State, if you can believe that. So does Michigan get a road win against the Illini of Illinois? You know, you said hard to believe or you said believe it or not. I wish I didn't believe it, but I have to. That's what we're being shown here. You know, as you said, Michigan has won three in a row, and they're three and one over the last four. That fourth, that was a loss, was an um, effort that they kind of succumbed to the Hoosiers by just one point. So they've really been in their groove as of late. There's no doubt about that. And um, this this year kind of reminds me a little bit of when the Michigan team playing skidded off the runway prior to the Big Ten a couple years ago, and and they went on to win, collect an auto bid, and then bam, went to the Final Four. Yep. And it's just like, what do you want to say about this Michigan team other than they've been battle tested, they've struggled at times, they've been on a high at times. And uh, the same can be said about Illinois, really. As you just said, Ohio State's terrible. I mean, they really are. Sensible is the bright spot for them. But Illinois, to lose that game by 12, and look at it this way. Illinois shot the ball 36.1% and were out-rebounded by 12. And that's not a recipe to win. 
in the Big Ten. You can't. Matthew Meyer, who's, you know, a, a blue chip transfer from Baylor, shot 4 of 11 in that game. And Terrence Shannon, who's tore it up for the year, really, went 3 of 12. So I think it's time to start doubting the Underwood campaign off the back of Kofi Coburn. We haven't seen the height that we saw. And even then, they couldn't win in the NCAA tournament. So as crazy as it is, and as delusional as I want to be in saying that Michigan doesn't have a look at this one, uh, they really do. And it's almost like you can't count them out for competing for the Big Ten tournament at this point. So I'm going to pick Michigan, and I think it's because... Uh, Michigan and, and, and as you said, Dickinson is going to shine his light all over this one. And I just don't trust Underwood to guide his team in this month. So JB, I'm afraid I'm gonna have to stick with the trend here. I'm not liking this recent form we've been seeing from Illinois, 12 point loss from Ohio or to Ohio state, never something that's going to look good this season. Ohio state's sitting at 12 and 17. They only shot 21% from three that game. Still managed to come away with a double-digit W. I don't like the look of that. Top of that, Kobe Bufkin. That was an impressive performance against Wisconsin. What do you, Wisconsin, what do you all think? Yeah, he was spectacular. He had like 28 points, and that, that Dick Dickinson shot, that was wild. He literally catches it, turns around, puts it up, and puts it in, and that saved a Michigan season. And it was really weird because last weekend we saw Tom Izzo not follow up three, and then we saw the next day... Greg Gard not follow up three. So should we start following up three? Uh, that might be a little bit of a conversation that we need to have. Yeah, yeah, we might have to. We might. Yeah. I'm going to take Michigan in this game as well, and just because they're playing their best basketball at the right time. Uh, I mentioned that Kobe Bufkin's looking good. Doug McDaniel's looking good. Hunter Dickinson has been fantastic. And I just think Illinois, they're just one of those teams um, – if you go on the road and you lose to a really bad Ohio State team, that's troubling, and you can't do that. And um, I just think Illinois, we saw them the last couple of years. They had great success during the regular season, and then they would fall apart in the tournament. This year, it's the total opposite, where they're just up and down the entire regular season, and that's 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 a lot of trouble for this Illinois team. So I'm going to go with Michigan, and they need this win. They need to beat Illinois, and if they beat Illinois— and they win a game in the Big Ten tournament. We don't know what's going to happen against Indiana. I put them in the tournament, uh, the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to go with Michigan here over the Illini. And then the prop bet for this game. What do you got, B-Rec? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to go with a, a two-part one, as I normally do. You know, we do prop bets per every game. And mine are uh, abnormally complex, I will say. So I'll throw you another one of those. No bone here. Dickinson or Shannon scoring more. Dickinson's at 17.6. Terrence Shannon is at 17.1. What do you think? This is very tough because both of them are really capable of scoring. Um, I'm going to go with Dickinson. I think he gets more than Shannon in this game just because of the way that Michigan's been playing, the way Dickinson has been playing. He's been absolutely fantastic these last couple days. So I'm going to go with Hunter Dickinson scoring more than Terrence Shannon here. And one extra thought. I agree. If you are Illinois, who do you put down there in defense of the vicious postgame of Dickinson? 
Yeah. You're going to have to like do like what a lot of Big Ten teams have done uh, this past year besides maybe Indiana and Purdue. You're going to have to double-team them off screens especially. So uh, they're going to have to double-team Dickinson. We saw Michigan State do it in their home game against Michigan, and that worked out really well. So they're going to have to do that against the big man of Dickinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I was just I was envision- envisioning in my head Dickinson in the pick and roll, and I, I had a nightmare about it. But what I will say is that you got to. And you got to hedge clean. You really have to watch him roll to the hole because if you don't catch him early and often, he will get to the rack and finish on top of you. So, uh, you know, that that's just how it is. Number two, Alabama taking on number 24, Texas A&M. A&M's looked pretty good these last couple games. Uh, besides that one loss to Mississippi State where – they played okay, but they've looked really good. They've Julius Marble, the Michigan State transfer, has looked pretty good. And they've gotten some good contributions from Wade Taylor, the fourth, who has scored 20 points in his last three games. Um, and Alabama, Brandon Miller, he continues to play well despite the investigation that he's going for right now. So does, or does Alabama beat Texas A&M on the road? Yeah, Alabama, as an organization, has been treading water the last couple of weeks. And I think, you know, if if you're Nate Oates, you need to play to that, which is defending your integrity and your institutional control. If you're Miller, all you can do is prove why you're a great player, because you have done everything in your power to disprove why you're a good human being the last couple of weeks. And... um as you said, he's responded, which is is good to see in part because of the adversity piece to this. But I wonder how long Alabama is going to stay afloat in the wake of this. And, you know, we've been curious. We've talked about Texas and the Chris Beard incident and how they have stayed where they've been at. Does Alabama do the same thing? You know, this is probably the worst time of the year to have your program in the limelight, you just want to fly under the radar and and keep churning out wins in conference. But let's talk more about the game, though. And um, I think it's an issue for for A and M here, and it is in College Station, so that helps. But you just lost a a miserable game. You said they looked okay, and I agree. But still, Mississippi State is not good. Uh, and the other thing is, this game saw a second-half run uh, that looked to be really good from A&M, but then after opening the second half on a 16-5 run, they didn't score for 12 minutes <laughs> and gave a nine-point lead right back. So, I don't know, you know, um, Mississippi State was 7-9 and nine in league and, and made A&M look like they didn't deserve to be in the SEC for a large portion of that second half. I love what you said about Wade Taylor. You just covered the fact that 20 and 3 straight, that's a big deal. Coleman and Marble have been productive enough as the forwards for that team. Um and those are good signs. But Alabama's continuing to roll under the Miller cloud. You know, he's had 41, he's had 24, but and this is what I'm saying though. The Tide only managed to beat South Carolina, who's 
10 and 18 by two points, despite an explosion from Miller. And then as he scored 24, only beat Arkansas by three at 86-83. Arkansas is better, obviously, but still. Miller's a streaky three-point shooter, which is about the only knock to his game, and I think that may be shown here. If they try and push him beyond the three-point line, does a I don't know why Javon Quinterly still isn't starting. He's had 16 against Arkansas very recently. I trust Alabama. Um, they've blown up teams left and right all year. I mean, they have three wins by 40 or more. But this is a big test. I think they'll respond, though, for now. Like my guy Rex said, I mean, Alabama's coming off some very close games against South Carolina and uh, Arkansas. Along with that, they have that recent loss to Tennessee, which was a pretty ugly loss. But as he also said, Brandon Miller continues to play like a top-five pick amidst this complete chaos in that program and not knowing what his future's looking like right now. So that has been incredibly impressive. Um, your comments on Mississippi State, I am able to forgive Texas A&M for that because Mississippi State's defense is quite legit and I would say one of the best in the nation. So Alabama struggled with them earlier this year, escaped three-point win. I could definitely see this game coming down to the wire, but ultimately I think the Tide close out a close matchup in College Station. I agree with you, Jed, on it coming down to the wire, and I think that's exactly what is going to happen. Um, just going back to what, what you said, B-Rec, about Alabama and Brandon Miller, it's either going to be like a Texas situation where Chris Beard, with the, the Chris Beard stuff that they had to go through, and they're either going to collapse under pressure or they're going to rally around Brandon Miller. And that's something that we're going to have to look forward to to seeing in the NCAA tournament. Do they go on a big run despite all this pressure that they're under, especially Brandon Miller, or do they not get knocked out in the second round? We'll just have to wait and see. But in this game, I just think Alabama, they're the better team. It will be close, and I think Texas A&M, Texas A&M will put up a fight but I got to go with Alabama here, and I think Nate Oates and um, his coaching will be the difference in this one as long, as well as uh, Brandon Miller's uh, ability um, to score in this one. And then the prop bet, we got Julius Marble, the former Michigan State Spartan. Does he go over or under 10 points and 5 rebounds? My inclination is to say over, and I think it's necessary. I think that that is one area. Like, Alabama has the most elite guard system in America this year. There's almost no question about that outside of a Kansas or a Baylor, probably. But I don't know if they can, once again, defend the post. So I would expect Marble to kind of take it downhill and, and, you know, mix in some of the jump hooks that he's been known to do, make a couple of the, you know, free throw line elbow J's. I like that too. So I think 10 is obviously that's about his average for the year. I think he'll go just over that, maybe like 12, 13. And then five boards is no question, in my opinion. But the issue would be the points. And I would take it. I think that he'll get to the spots where he has to. Yeah, I agree. Um, a couple uh, games ago, yeah, I think he had like 21 against the Volunteers, and they won that game, I believe. 
Which against Tennessee, that's big time. Yeah, Tennessee's and, one of those teams that's really been slumping recently. They have. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that Marvel went to war with Vescovy and came out on top of that one, yeah. that's a good deal. Yeah. And I just, I don't know if Alabama has that same type of, of, of restricted area pressure that mm-hmm. will be applied or that was applied against Tennessee. So that's why I say over, but. Yeah, I'm going to go over as well. Um, I'm with you. He'll probably get around 12 to 13, and I think he'll obviously get over five rebounds in that one. But like I said, Alabama is going to win that game in what should be a fantastic matchup against the Aggies of Texas A&M. Moving on, we got number three Kansas traveling to Austin to take on number nine Texas. The highly contested Big 12 will most likely be decided on Saturday when the Jayhawks travel to Austin Austin to face off against Texas. Kansas is poised to finish uh, the season strong, win the Big 12, win the conference tourney as well, and possibly win a second straight national championship, and they are more than capable of going back-to-back. And then Texas, we mentioned, they've been one of the biggest storylines of the college basketball season after the firing of Chris Beard, they have rallied around their team. So does Texas upset Kansas at home? Well, the man to my right here in the studio, JB, told me something something the other day. He said, it's incredibly hard to repeat as a national champion. It is. And that's something that will be an obstacle that's hard to overcome, even mentally, if not physically, trying to do that same procedure. But as you said, the Big 12 crown, basically, and of course, contingent on a few things, we'd need to look at the standings and what have you, but is up for grabs here. And I give the Longhorns the advantage from one perspective, which is that it's in Moody Coliseum. But three weeks ago, Kansas overcame a massive, massive barrage of points from Marcus Carr. And um, also shot the ball from the three incredibly bad, but still beat Texas by eight in fog. Now that's the difference, though, is you go from Fog Allen to Moody. Does that sway eight points? And if so, why? I, I don't know. Kansas was able to get to the free throw line 28 times, won the battle on the boards, and used outstanding ball movement. They outclassed Texas 16-6 to in the assist game. So in this matchup, meaning the one in January, Grady Dick, the fantastic, fantastic guard for Kansas, had 21, and four other athletes were in double figures. McCuller had 16, 10 of which were free throws. And it's a lot of those plus one situations that Kansas used to leapfrog Texas in that one. I worry that that Texas will be worn down by the time they get to Kansas. And it's because they're playing four consecutive ranked teams to end the year. Through two of those games, or the front half, they're one and one. They've been okay. But do they run out of gas? And with all the emotion of this season that they've dealt with so well, I just, I'm concerned it comes crashing down right now when you need it the most. I think Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen have to be great. Kansas will not give up their crown easily. Obviously, that's, you know, this place of winning the reg season, winning the conference, has been the mainstay for Self and the Jayhawks. So I'm going to go with they come out with a big win. 
does Kansas in, in Moody. And it's a battle to the death, I think. But the biggest deal is that Texas is in the the stretch of all stretches with who they're playing right now. I mean, the way I look at it is Texas is sitting at 16-1 on their home court this season. That is incredible. Even though with that, though, Kansas is still 7-3 and three on the road, which is definitely respectable in my opinion. But it'll be a lot to overcome, and this game will definitely be close. Last matchup was an 8-point victory for the Jayhawks. Um, so pretty respectable there. Um, I like to say here that entering March, Kansas is going to elevate its game. I think they're used to it. They got some veterans. I think this is going to be an outcome much like the last game. Narrow victory, maybe a little closer within four or five points is where I'd put the line. Um, I expect a big game from both McCuller and Jalen Wilson. Can we take a pause here to acknowledge what my man just said? There are over 3,500 languages in this world. And my man just sat here on this pedestal and chose to speak facts. (laughs) Look at him go. Thank you. Give me Absolutely. a fist bump there. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. Absolutely. I love it. Handwork, what you got? Yeah, I'm in total agreement with both of you guys. Uh, I think this game is the game of the week, and I'm with you. I think it's going to be the back and forth the entire game. Uh, you're going to get some great performances by Kansas and Texas, and you're looking, I think, at like a 74-71 tight game. But in the end, it's going to be the Kansas Jayhawks because they are just poised for this moment and they are on a tour where I think they could get back to the Final Four and they could possibly win a national championship, even though you said, Jed, that it's really hard to go back-to-back. So we'll just have to see. And this is Kansas's first step to win a Big 12 championship and get back to the Final Four and possibly win a national championship. If you all don't mind playing devil's advocate here, let's assume Texas goes ahead and takes this game, wins that Big 12 turning. Where does that put them at Selection Sunday? How are they sitting? So you're saying if they win on Saturday and then they go go on to win the tournament, Big Twelve, you got to put them out of one seat. I would agree. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I would too. Yeah. I would. Do. The Big Twelve is tough. It is. It's it, very tough. It's in, been one of the toughest conferences in all of college basketball this year. And Kansas has found yeah. a way to dominate it for decades now. Yeah, we were looking at it today when we were at lunch, and uh, it breaks down like this: the team in the Big Ten. Who has played the most? Ga- excuse me, the most games against ranked teams has played eight times against ranked teams. Okay, the average amount of times that a Big Twelve team has played an AP ranked team is twelve. <laughs> like what? Yeah. I mean, think about it that way. Is like every one of those teams, and I get it. There are you know out of those ten. A, a couple, like three, who aren't worth much. However, they're playing murderer's row every week. And that spells to me that one of these teams will rise to the occasion by the time we get into the tournament. And I, I think it's there is less attrition than in the Big Ten. But the the top half is much stronger than the Big Ten. I'm I'm willing to bet that the NCAA champion right now comes out of the Big 12. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think it could be Kansas, and don't sleep on Baylor. 
Baylor's another team. They have the experience. They have Keontae George. They have a great coach in Scott Drew. I wouldn't be surprised if the Baylor Bears win another national championship. And maybe even Texas. Maybe Texas. They're just the storyline of the year. They have this terrible thing that happened to them in the middle of the season. They ra- they, they've been rallying around their new coach, and they go out and win a national championship. I'm not saying Texas will win a national championship. I don't think they can, but they could get pretty close. There's a difference between can and will. Yeah. If you're in that field, you can. Yeah. But will you? They will not. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I get that. We just had to throw in the delineation there. Yeah. All right. What do you got for a prop bet? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go Texas over or under 80 total points scored. If they get there, I think they're going to win this guy. Yeah. Like I said before, it's going to be a 74-71 type game, so it's going to be under. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I agree with you. If they go over 80, uh, I, we've seen Kansas hit 80 this year. I think we've seen them maybe hit a 90 once or twice. Um, but if they hit 80, then I think they're going to win. For reference, Kansas is averaging 76-2 a game. And Texas is at 79-1, so. Yeah. Mm. Honestly, if both teams hit 80, then I think I'd probably put my money on Texas if they hit 80 to win, but if both teams hit 80, don't be surprised if Kansas goes in there and get a victory. But I'm going to say under right now, but I could very well see it go over 80 points for the Texas Longhorns. We got a really good Pac-12 matchup. We got number eight, Arizona, taking on number four, UCLA. The Wildcats and the Bruins. The Bruins have already won the Pac-12, and these are two teams that are very capable of winning the national championship. So who wins this game between Arizona and UCLA? This right here. Is the wild, wild west of college hoops, both literally and figuratively. I cannot wait for this game. When I tell you I'm excited, that's an understatement. 10.30 tip. I just did the western, the old-fashioned western intro with a whiplash in our studio here. That's how excited I am about this game. Here's the deal. UCLA has been crowned champion after beating Colorado. We know that. And they've won eight in a row. Arizona has shown signs of weakness and just lost to in-state rival Arizona State on a buzzer beater from beyond half. 89-88. UCLA has won eight consecutive games and not lost since January 26th. I worry for them because they need to get through the gritty and hot Arizona State team who is hungry and scratching and clawing trying to make the NCAA tournament. In the first meeting between UCLA and Arizona, UCLA turned it over less, out-rebounded Arizona, and put up way more shots, 19 more shots, but lost 58-52. Arizona went to the free throw line 20 times during this game, made 15, which is 9 more than UCLA. Ballo will need to control the boards again, there's no doubt about that. And Jaime Hawkes has to shoot it better after a 5 of 17 performance, including 1 of 6 from 3. At Pauly, with the conference crown on their brow, 
Bill Walton pitching a TP in Isla Vista and singing the praise of the Grateful Dead and the inner workings of John R. Wooden's Pyramid of Success. I'm taking the Bruins to win a ninth straight. UCLA. Well, I'm going to have to agree with my man Rec here, but there's a lot more to the story than just that. Yes! Yes! (laughs) No, no. There is much more to the story. The story of this game is the high-octane offense of Arizona against the stifling defense of UCLA, allowing less than 60 points a game as it stands. I think they're standing at 59.6. Does that sound about right? That does. Yeah. Um, so my belief in this has never wavered. When the immovable object meets the unstoppable force, immovable object wins every time. So I got to roll with that. I'm going to stick with it. Um, I could honestly see a five-plus point victory for the Bruins here um, heading into Selection Sunday, getting that one seed secured. I'm in agreement with both of you guys again, and I think we've agreed on every game so far. In this one, it's going to be UCLA because of the guard play of Tiger Campbell and Jaquez. UCLA wins this one against Arizona, I'm saying. Great minds think alike. Great minds do think a lot alike. And the prop bet here, we got Tiger Campbell. Does he go over or under 13 points and 7 assists? This is how many points he had in the last game against Arizona. So does he go over or under that this time? That's a snoozer of a prop bet, man. I think that he'll go under. I think he'll go 12 points four or five assists with a couple boards because UCLA needs to board up against Ballo. They need they to, do. and, and Tubelis too, actually. They need to get busy on the glass. So yep. I think Hawkes and Campbell will be big in that way. Campbell's not normally, but let's hope. Yeah, I think I'm at, I might actually go a little bit over. I think he maybe goes like for 15 and then maybe he goes like 10 assists maybe. Really? Oh my goodness. Um, Like I said before, I think it's the guard play. I think UCLA is going to come in this game and then they're going to play excellent guard play. And that's going to be a key for them in the NCAA tournament. We've talked about how guard play wins you national championships, gets you to Final Fours. And this is a UCLA team that can get to the Final Four and win a national championship. Same thing with Arizona with the bigs they have. Even though they might need a little guard play and I think they can find that. Arizona can so two teams it should be a great matchup two teams that can get to the final four and we'll find out which one is more capable on uh, Saturday and in the Pac-12 tournament moving on to our last game we got Ohio State taking on Michigan State it will be senior day in East Lansing. First of all, let's talk about last night's game against Nebraska. The Spartans overcame a 15-point deficit in the second half to beat Nebraska on the road Tuesday night. Despite the collapse against Iowa, the Spartans have started to play really well offensively, scoring 70 points or more in four straight games. 
Tyson Walker has also looked incredible in the last three games. He scored 23 points against Indiana, 31 points against Iowa, and 19 points last night against Nebraska. And he looked excellent. He looked excellent in the second half against Nebraska to carry the Spartans to victory with a couple other contributions from Joey Hauser, who's also looked really good and has remained consistent with his three-point shooting. And then the big keys for the Spartans heading into March, it will be A.J. Hogard and Jay Nakins. He started to step up really good as well. Um, and then the guard play, A.J. Hogard and Tyson Walker. We've talked about how guard play gets you far in the NCAA tournament. If they can step it up, Michigan State's a team. If they're a seven, it's going to be hard for a two-seed to face a team like that, even though the two-seed could move on and beat Michigan State. So does Michigan State beat Ohio State on Senior Day in East Lansing? I think you just said everything that is to be said about this game. Really? No, absolutely not. (laughs) The narrative has changed around Michigan State over the last couple weeks. But I'm... they're finally not the butt end of a joke, man. Yeah. And really Thank it's God. it's it's looking like the Buckeyes are just that. The the clapper behind a, a one inch punch. But for me, <laughs> we can't lose sight of how badly Michigan State beat Ohio State in Columbus. Yeah. The Buckeyes losing eight in a row before shockingly, but undeniably, beating Illinois. Maryland comes into Columbus next, which makes the last stretch a little tougher. And to top it off, Michigan State at home in March under Izzo is unlike almost anything else. Michigan State played outstanding team collaborative defense in Columbus. And with the Izzo behind them, I think they could do it again. Ohio State's leading scorer against Michigan State was McNeil, who had... A lowly 10 off the bench. Walker and Aikens are in an incredible groove right now. Aikens furthered that again last night with a stupendous performance. I think the ending to the Iowa game was a fluke, relatively speaking, and that was backed up last night when Michigan State came back from the same deficit they squandered just a week ago. We said, as of yesterday that the Spartans had to clear their head with the Cornhuskers. And I think they did just that. I mean, 54 points in the second half en route to a complete, complete shift. You go from down 12 to up 13, and that's where you close. Wow. I mean, what better set of circumstances to run into senior day, the last game of the year, in front of your home crowd, ready to make a push in the month of Izzo, I'm all green. I am all green this week. I would say the story of these last five, six games has been the emergence of the sophomore Jaden Akins. Absolutely. He has been incredible. He's really coming into his own. Um, And I expect big things from him next year as he um, stays and continues to grow under Izzo. With that incredible recruiting class coming in, ranked third in the country currently, Xavier Booker, Jeremy Fears. State has definitely got a future. They're present is a little less than certain, but um, going against Ohio State here, held the Buckeyes to 41 points last time. That's incredible. Incredible defense. Put up 62 points, was it? It was. Yeah. So, I mean, looking at all that, I think I expect big games from Jaden Akins and Joey Hauser here, and I think they 
take care of business with potentially a double-digit W. Yeah, we've seen in the past, like, Michigan State, they've just come out to play on senior day. Um, We saw it last year when they played Maryland, and then in 20 when they played uh, Ohio State, and then even in 21 then when they played a top-10 Michigan team at home in the COVID year. You mentioned that Iowa game and how it was a fluke. I totally agree with you. I think it's 99 out of 100 times that Michigan State wins that game. Iowa just, I believe, got a miracle when they just kept hitting threes. Now, I think you can question maybe that last play when Holgard misses the free throw and Izzo doesn't foul when Iowa has already nailed, like, I don't even know how many three-pointers it was, but it was unbelievable how they were down, I believe, 13 with a minute and a half to go, and they come roaring back. 134. Yeah. So, yeah, that's something that I could question, but Michigan State... Last night, it was simply, I think, incredible. The first half narrative uh, in, across the fan base was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we are doing this. The season is over. We're not doing anything. We got to move on to next year. And then they just come roaring back in the second half. Jaden Akins was fantastic. They got a couple big three-pointers from Malik Hall, Joey Hauser, and then Tyson Walker. It was fantastic to watch that Michigan State Spartans team come back and get a really good road win against a Nebraska team. I know they're 15 and 15, but that's a, been a really good team these uh, last couple weeks, especially at home. Um, and yeah, for this game against Ohio State, I think Joey Hauser is going to have one last spectacular performance uh, against the Ohio State Buckeyes and at Breslin Center for his uh, senior day. And then I also look to see Tyson Walker do fantastic and Jay Nakins as well. And you mentioned Jet. I'm really looking forward to seeing him next year. I think he's going to be fantastic. So I'm going to go with Michigan State in this one against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Bring us home, Jay, bro. Bring us home. What you want to know? I want to know what you know because what you know is not what I know. I know that that Iowa game was most certainly a fluke. Yes, it was. I have not heard of a team shooting 73% from three and losing a basketball game in my time. I don't know about y'all. 60% from the field, 73% from three. That's a tough recipe to lose a game with. It was also one of the highest, like, I think, Big Ten scoring games, like, in the last, like, 40 years. Yeah. That sounds about right. The B-10 is known for staunch defense. I mean, you know, deep diving, like, bodies on ground wrestling match of a basketball game on the hardwood. Uh, like you score 106 and lose. <laughs> yeah. What in a 40 minute game? It's unbelievable. 101 I mean, in regulation. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's just unheard of. Yeah, totally unheard of. And like I said, 99 out of 100 times you win that game. And they just Michigan State got unlucky. I mean, whenever do you see a team that comes back from 13 with a minute and a half to go? You know, maybe it's unluck or maybe it's luck on part of the Hawkeyes. Obviously, we saw what what, uh, Iowa's women's team did with Caitlin Clark the next day in Carver-Hawkeye Arena. (laughs) What a weekend for that arena. Yeah, seriously. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, I wonder if it's a blessing for Michigan State. I really do. And I think that's what we saw yesterday. 
And that's what we may continue to see is that a turn of events like that can really flip the script and the mindset. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, I'm excited. Yeah. I tell you what, it's better to lose a game like that now than do that in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. You got time to breathe now. Yeah. So now with the selection committee looking at that game, if it comes down to deciding who gets the eight or seven seed between Iowa and Michigan State, who gets that? Well, you got the season split. Uh, Michigan State won the game in East Lansing. Iowa won the game in Iowa City. I don't know how the Big Ten does that um, because obviously that's – Happened before. We have two teams that have the same conference record, and they split the season series. I think it maybe comes down to overall record. Well, past that, I'm talking about March. Oh, you get March. Selection committee because they're both sitting right on that eight seven seed line right now. Yeah, yeah. I I'd w- go with Michigan State. I would yeah. too. I would too. Um, I was a good team, but. The one difference maker is the strength of schedule. Given that yeah. it's in the top ten or top five, and it has been all year. Uh, I just don't know how you can nod against that. Yeah, although Iowa went on the road last night and beat a really good Indiana team, like totally walked it, walked in there and blew them out, ninety to sixty-eight. So, I mean, anything's possible in the Big Ten, and I think the tournament, the Big Ten tournament, rather, is going to be nuts. Yeah, that's what I would say. To fully answer your question, Jet, that's what has year. to happen. Yeah, is we don't know yet. We yeah. know what we know. Yeah. And you can't decipher that yet. We need to see what the next 11 days has to offer us. Absolutely. And then we'll know. Absolutely. Yep. And before we head out, we're going to do our final prop bet. We got Joey Hauser and Tyson Walker. Do they go over or under a combined 35 points in the senior day against Ohio State? Over. I'm going over, too. Smash it. Yeah. Over. And I don't even need to, to hand out an argument as to why. We know what the argument is. These two guys are incredible. They've been that all year. Hauser has completely come out of the woodwork in terms of how he's elevated. We saw what they did against Ohio State in round one of the heavyweight bout that spans two rounds. And it's senior day. Mm -hmm. Over. When I was filling out this prop bet, I was like, I don't want to put the number too high. Because I know they could... Tyson Walker can definitely hit 20 maybe even a little over 20, and we've seen Joey Hauser hit over 20. He had 22 against Ohio State. So they could maybe get a combined, like, 40 points. So that's why I put it at 35. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's good. You know, 18, 17, that's modest. Yeah. That's 35. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be it'll be fun to watch, I think, over, though. If it were 30, I would say you're dumb if you don't yeah. put an over. But yeah. I, th- I still think they'll get there. So is this y'all's lock of the week? It's my lock of the week, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. But you wreck. Has to be. Yep. I would tend to agree here. I think one of the two is almost guaranteed to go over twenty. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. And that is all for hedging the bet. We hope to catch you next time. We'll be back for March Madness. The brackets will be released. And we'll break it all down. We'll give our final four picks, our sleeper teams and much more when we come back in two weeks. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Yeah.
That is all from the Impact Sports Studio. You can catch us live Wednesdays at 3 p.m. on 88.9 The Impact for more collegiate sports betting analysis.